Bonchik's Real Estate Investing Podcast. Mr. Bonchik is an attorney, best-selling author, and a real estate investor with 25 years' experience. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com. Hi, I'm Bill Bronchick, and welcome to this introductory video on land trusts. What is a land trust? Well, a land trust, like any other trust, is an agreement between parties that creates a relationship between trustee, beneficiary, and the creator of the trust known as the grantor. Now, before I get too far into the legal mumbo-jumbo, understand what a land trust is not. A land trust is not a corporate entity. It doesn't file with the state. It doesn't have a tax ID number. It doesn't have officers and directors, and it doesn't have annual reports. It's simply a contract, an arrangement. And if you think back to uh, the old days of medieval times when you had to fight for the king's army if you had property, and what someone would do is say, look, I'm young and I have property. I'm going to transfer the property to someone old who can't fight. And between me and you, uh, it's my property. But if anyone asks, it's your property. So that's a basic trust arrangement. Someone's just holding something for you for your benefit under an agreement. Now, typically, that agreement is written, as in a land trust agreement. And a land trust, therefore, is a trust. It is revocable. It is a living trust. And we'll talk more about uh, those details later. And it is designed simply to hold title to one piece of real estate. Thus, each property would have a separate land trust agreement, arrangement, contract between parties where one person holds title to the property for the benefit of somebody else. So what are some of the benefits of using a land trust? Well, the first thing is, number one, privacy. If someone holds title with a different last name, ideally, we'll talk about picking a trustee later, and that person cannot easily be tracked back to you as a friend or relative, well then you have anonymity and privacy of ownership because only you and this person would know who the true owner, the beneficiary of the property is. Also, you get protection from judgments in liens. So for example, if you had a judgment against you personally and you went and took title to a property in your own name, that judgment would attach to that property and that's why title companies will search your name through the judgment court records to make sure there's no judgments in your name that might attach to the property. If you took property title in someone else's name, in a trust name or a trustee's name that's not your name, well that judgment won't attach to the property. So any existing judgments or future judgments won't attach to the property that's not in your name. Okay. Number three, you get protection from what we call contract claims. Not all claims will be protected by the land trust, but specifically contractual claims, like a, um, a deed that you give that has a breach of warranty that will protect you from a claim like that, or if you take title to a property in a homeowner's association, like a condo development, or uh, a, uh, a development that has an HOA, and you own the property in your own name, you're agreeing to be personally responsible for all the dues and assessments, so they can go after you personally, not just the property. Well, if the property's in trust, they can only go after the trust, and the trust only owns one asset, the property. So you're effectively limiting your liability in that sense. It is cheap and easy to set up. Doesn't require a filing fee with the state or an annual fee or uh, 
tax returns or anything like that. So it is fairly cheap and easy to set up. It is a contractual agreement, so it does require some written documents that need to be signed. But that's basically it in terms of the maintenance of a land trust. It also has no change in tax reporting. This is really nice. So if you owned a property in your own name, and you were, let's say, a, a, a personal residence, and you were taking a deduction, Schedule A, for the mortgage interest, and you transferred property into a land trust, well, you still report it as if you own it. So the beneficiary of the trust is really the owner of the property. You haven't changed any real beneficial ownership. You were the owner, now the trust owns it, and you're the beneficiary, you're taking the deduction. For a rental property, same thing. It would be Schedule E. Uh, you, if you owned it in your own name and were collecting income and reporting expenses, if you transfer it to a land trust, you report it the same way. So there's no recapture of, uh, of capital gains and so forth. In places like California where you have recapture, um, uh, not recapture, but uh, uh, reassessment of the property for tax purposes, there's no change in beneficial ownership for that purpose. So there'd be no transfer tax, no reassessment, and so forth. Okay. Um, and it's also very easy to transfer ownership. That is, the beneficial ownership. So without changing title to the property, you could change the beneficiary of the trust underneath the title to the trust and change effectively the owner to the property without changing title to the property. So once the property is in a land trust, the beneficiary can be changed underneath. Think about it this way, if you had a property that you transferred to your corporation and you were the stockholder of that corporation, now the corporation is the owner, you transfer stock in the corporation to another party, the another party is the owner of the corporation, but the owner of the property is still the corporation. The, the, the individual changed underneath, but the corporation still owns the property, so there's no transfer, no transfer tax and so forth. So very, very beneficial to hold properties in land trusts. Let's talk about some of the um, basics of trust so you understand you know, what a land trust is and what a land trust isn't. Um, land trusts are types of trust, and trusts fall into broad categories of living versus testamentary. What does that mean? Well, a, a trust created while you're alive is known as a living trust also known in Latin as inter vivos, between the living. A trust created on your death would be testamentary. Now, how would you create a trust in your death? Well, that would be in a will. If you had a will that said, leave everything to my kids, but if they're under the age of 21, create a trust for them. So you can create a testamentary trust. So if you create it while you're alive, it's a living trust, and living trusts can be either revocable or irrevocable. So you can create a trust that you can take back, change, and then modify, do anything you want to, that's revocable, or it's irrevocable. Once you set it up, that's it. You can't change it, can't take it back, and so forth. A revocable living trust is a trust that's created while you're alive and is revocable. Now, most people, when you hear revocable living trust, you think of a specific type of estate planning trust used where you're, you're creating a trust for your assets to avoid probate and so forth. That is a revocable living trust, but so is a land trust. A land trust is created while you're alive and is revocable and living. The point is, revocable living trusts um, encompass a big category of different types of trusts, 
The estate planning one is just one type of revocable living trust, so is a land trust. And I would recommend when you're dealing with parties who don't understand land trusts, just refer to it as your revocable living trust and omit the expression land because you're only going to confuse people in that regard, okay? So a land trust is a revocable living trust. It's created by paper, not by filing with the state anywhere. And it doesn't have a tax ID number and it doesn't have a filing in terms of a tax return. It's just an arrangement between you and the trustee under an agreement in writing. So to create the trust, number one, we have to pick a trustee. Now, typical revocable living trust for estate planning is you're the trustee, you're the beneficiary, the John M. Jones Living Trust. That doesn't fool anybody, doesn't give you any anonymity. What we want to do is create a trust with someone with a different last name, preferably who lives out of state because it makes it harder to track that person down and find out who the beneficiary is of the trust, which is i.e. you. So we want a trustee who's reliable, who understands the game, who has a different last name, and doesn't have any personal financial problems that might entangle your trust property in there. So number one, we pick a trustee. And number two, we sign the trust agreement. And the trust agreement is between the creator of the trust, known as the grantor, that's you, and you're creating a trust with the trustee for your own benefit. So you're the trust, you're the grantor and beneficiary of this trust, and the trustee is the individual with a different last name. Okay? Now, we're going to number three, transfer title of the property to the trust. So if it's a property you already own, we create the trust agreement sign it before a notary, and then we would execute a deed, either a warranty or a special warranty or a quick claim, or if you're in California, grant deed, whatever, and we transfer title to the property to the trust name and then record that deed down at the county. Now, in some states, like Colorado, we record it in the trust name, you know, the ABC Trust. In, the, uh, in other states, like California, you'd put it in the, uh, the name of the trustee. So it would be uh, John Doe, trustee, under a declaration of trust, dated blank, you know, the date of the trust agreement, or the name of the trust, and so forth. So there's two different ways to title it. That's really up to your local customs. You, you'd ask a local title company the proper way to do that. Um, it could be done either way, technically in any state, but sometimes the title company's gonna have a cow when you go to sell the property or refinance it. So make sure you consult with a local title or escrow company on how to do that properly. And the last thing we wanna do is when we wanna change the insurance to reflect the new owner. So if you already own the property um, and you transfer it into trust, now you have to change your insurance to name the trust as the insured and, of course, you as an additional insured on the property. Okay. Now, the beneficiary of the trust doesn't have to be you individually. If it's your own home, you'd probably be the grantor and beneficiary of the trust. If it's a rental property, for example, you might have an LLC be the grantor and beneficiary so that the LLC creates the trust, the property is transferred to the trust for the benefit of your LLC. You can get into more detail about that in my land trust course and choosing a beneficiary and so forth. But this is the basics of what a land trust is, what a land trust is, isn't, and the basics of how we create the land trust. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you're a little confused, watch it again, then go through the manual and the audio CDs in the land trust course. 
Thank you for listening to Bill Bonchick's Real Estate Investing Podcast. For more information and free articles and videos, visit his website at www.legalwiz.com.